Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 35 of the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast. I'm your host. What do you think about my intro? Um, I really love doing the podcast. And I do all of the editing and formatting and putting out into the world work. And it takes a lot of time. And time is money, my friends. So I'm looking for sponsors for the podcast. I'm looking for ways to make it so that I can keep doing the podcast. And one of the ways is, um, yeah, doing kind of mini commercials. So what do you think? I feel a little bit uncomfortable with it, but I'm going to decide that that discomfort is really growth happening and stretching into something that I need to be embracing. So yay. And guess what? The Maslow program that I talk about at the beginning, it really is super duper amazing and something that I believe in. So you know what? I'm good with it. And I hope you are too. Today on the podcast, I'm so excited to have Dr. Jen O'Ryan come and talk to us about kids that come out, kids that come out as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer, you know, there's all those labels and words that we hear about and we know more and more that um, schools and communities are trying to make the space ever more inclusive of all different kinds of people. So Dr. Jen O'Reilly provides guidance for parents to help them navigate their child's coming out process, as well as questions about sexuality and gender. She completed her doctorate in human behavior and had a focus on environmental factors during childhood and adolescence for sexual minorities. Dr. Jen also works closely with other caring adults on developing more inclusive, safe spaces for LGBTQ individuals in the workplace and in the community. And through years of research and advocacy, Jen brings an extensive background on factors contributing to healthy development during childhood and adolescence for LGBTQ youth. I'm really, really excited that I was able to have a conversation with Jen and ask some really pointed questions around not only how do we support 
our own children, how do we support the children in our lives, right? Even when we might not be the parent of the child who's coming out, we might be the neighbor or the aunt or the grandparent. What does support look like from those caring adults? Not only that, how do we talk to our kids who are not LGBTQ kids about, you know, acceptance, about being open-minded and having perspective and and being allies and advocates for all kids and all people. Anyway, I'm really, really excited to share this conversation with you, and I hope that you enjoy it too. So let's talk to Jen. Welcome to the show, Jen. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to to be a, a guest on your podcast. Yay. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, please, and your story and how you found yourself working with families. Sure. So it actually goes back to uh, the early 2000s. I was invited to uh, join a community advisory board for uh, youth group, peer-to-peer outreach and youth group here in Seattle. It's called Empowerment. It was associated with Lifelong AIDS Alliance. And as part of my role in that, I got to interact with a lot of the youth and talk to them. And they shared some of their stories with me about growing up and some of the struggles uh, with their family and their friends and the whole coming out process. And it really opened my eyes to, you know, the experiences that these kids were going through and and at such a young age um, to be challenged with uh, managing that, you know, at 14, 15 years old, uh, took a tremendous amount of courage. And so uh, that kind of stuck with me. I was with the program for a couple of years and then uh, life kind of got in the way, work took over and uh, smash cut a few years later, I decided that I really wanted to pursue uh, my PhD, that that was something that I felt I needed to do. And I really wanted to focus on something to do with the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what that was, I really wasn't sure, but I'm like, well, I have several years to figure it out. So let's just start. Um, so I found a program that really resonated me, with me and it covered the entire human experience, um, childhood, aging, eating disturbances, addiction, uh, everything. Um, so I pursued that and started focusing, again, gravitating more towards LGBTQ issues in that space. Uh, and what I found was so much of the research demonstrated, I'm sure as you're familiar and your listeners are as well, the higher rates and risks for negative outcome for the for this segment of the population. Mm-hmm. And what really struck me is that every article, every study that I looked at almost treated growing up as LGBTQ as a, as a risk factor. And I'm like, well, I think we're looking at this the wrong way. Right. And so my dissertation actually focused on what are the environmental influences that contribute to healthy development? You know, maybe, maybe instead of um, looking at, you know, uh, our, our gay kids are at risk for these outcomes, start looking at what are we doing in their early environment that's that's doing this to them, that's right. causing them to be at risk. Um, and so what I found was, uh, yeah, it's, it's all about uh, early messages that are received when the child's it, 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 from birth, really. Mm-hmm. Um, even before they're born, a, a child, you know, the gender is identified and, and they're kind of set down this pink or blue trajectory and that's the track that they are on and a very little deviation. Um, and so in my research, uh, I found that there's a lot of uh, early adrenal activity around five or six years old that occurs because we think of middle childhood as kind of this 
not as rapid development as we see in infancy or as adolescence, but there's actually a lot going on. Yeah. And is middle childhood like that five to 10 range? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so what I found is that there's, there's this adrenal activity is kind of acts as a precursor for um, puberty later on. And that's when you start to see the emergence of schoolyard crushes and expressions of, of attractions and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of for a lot of uh, LGBTQ individuals, that's when they really start to experience that first awareness. Right. Um, some earlier, some some as early as two or three years old, but really it seems to be that that five to six years old. And so that's where, you know, um, parental awareness and parental engagement um, around this uh, idea of sexual orientation and, and gender identity expression is so critical. Right. Because that's usually who uh, who observes this first expression. Right. And, you know, it just makes me think about, you know, I, I think about that young kid on the playground and like you said, they're having their first initiation into, am I fitting in with what I know, quote, know mm -hmm. to be true mm -hmm. about boys versus, or girls, or am I having thoughts or feelings that don't fit or aren't in alignment with these what I know, quote, know to be true about boys and girls. And then what I imagine happens after that is a sense of I'm wrong mm -hmm. or I'm bad or I don't fit or, and what I'm hearing you say is the more aware that parents can be around their response, around their openness, around, you know, how they are themselves defining gender, you know, that's going to hold the space for kids to just go from, oh, I must be wrong or bad to, oh, I'm different. Or I have other ideas about that mm -hmm. with no exactly. judgment rather than like some self-judgment. Exactly. And and honestly, what I found is that most parents really, I mean, they want to support their kids. They want to, <laughs> they love their kids and want them to have this full expression and be able to express their entire self mm -hmm. um, and what that means for them. But um, oftentimes, I mean, we're so, we have these lenses, we have these filters, and we just kind of filter information out very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't even realize we're doing it. Um, right. So so some of the parental redirection that I've I've seen um, really comes from a place of, well, you know, to, to your son, you know, you'll, you'll, someday you'll grow up and you'll marry a woman and you'll have a family of your own. And it's like, well, let's take a step back. Mm -hmm. um, that, that child might actually marry a man, mm -hmm. might actually choose not to marry, might choose to go to college. But mm -hmm. again, it kind of goes back to that pink and blue trajectory that, that we just kind of have this map envisioned for our children. And some parents can really struggle with this realization that, you know, the kid, kid comes out as transgender mm -hmm. at a very young age or as uh, lesbian or gay or bisexual. Um, and then what does the parent do with that and how do they learn? And, and there are some resources out there, but it can be really intimidating to find them. Sure. Yeah. And we're going to continue to talk today about the work of supporting adults who live and love their kids who are coming <laughs> out and questioning and exploring gender and sexual orientation. So, so let's start at a really basic piece. So what is happening today for kids who are questioning their gen? Not even questioning. I mean, because they don't question it. They know, right? It's the rest of us that are like, whoa, I don't know what to do with this information. And what does this mean? And I'm scared. And I want, you know, like we get all in our stuff. Yes. Um. So like, what is the, what is the typical experience for these kids that are coming out? Well, it's, it's, 
It's so dependent on their environment. It, it, this is just a huge generalization. Your actual mileage may vary. I can't put enough qualifiers around this, but um, oftentimes uh, children will start to realize either uh, they they are a, a gender other than the one assigned to them at birth, mm-hmm. um, which is where we get into the transgender uh, individuals or gender non-conforming. And I am not a fan of the term gender non-conforming because I think that still carries with it some stigma. Well, what, is that, I, what does that mean? Um, it means so so I don't necessarily identify as a male or a female okay. or I identify as uh, a female today or a male tomorrow okay. and it just it's it's more around that fluidity mm-hmm. of gender so thinking of gender as a spectrum the same way we do a sexual orientation right um, and, and really it's it's for the kids I mean you touched on a great point it's it's for the child themselves to be able to identify this is the experience in their skin mm-hmm. and and this is this is how they choose to identify and so that's where we're seeing a lot more um uh gender neutral pronouns uh they them theirs z their that kind of thing mm-hmm. uh and this is where it kind of gets confusing for parents is because we're, we're i think most people are familiar with the whole lgbt right. um but LGB really has to do with sexual orientation, and then the T is transgender, which mm-hmm. is a gender identity, which really, in my perspective, is very different. Um, and and we we kind of put them all together uh, with the, with the Q at the end, which can stand for either questioning or queer, uh, depending. And and it's become this umbrella term for how we think of sexual minorities, but they really are very 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 distinct. Yeah. Well, and and we live, you're in Seattle, right? Yes. So I feel like we're kind of in this pocket and maybe it's just my, what I think, but I feel like we're in a a pocket of the country that's really open and curious and looking for ways of being better for these kids. Do you find that the trends across the country are the same as what's happening in Seattle? I mean, I have friends who work in schools in Seattle where the school as a as a system is creating, you know, just like basic things like using the bathroom and mm-hmm. and and allowing for kids to use the bathroom that they um, that you know that fits the gender that they're that that they feel like they are a part of. And is this something that's happening across the board or, I mean, I can imagine no, <laughs> but, um, you know, are there other places where these conversations are, are happening? Are you working with families, um, outside of our little progressive pocket of the Pacific Northwest that are finding a friendlier world for them and their kids? I, I, I definitely am. Yes. And awesome. it's interesting to hear that parents, um, even in, in rural communities and communities that you would traditionally think of as very conservative, mm-hmm. um, there are still pockets of support. Because right. I think one of, the, one of the best things to really change people's perspective on this is the humanizing element. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. 
there are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Right. So what we see a lot of is we will have these very conservative uh, individuals and then their child or their cousin or their uncle will, will come out um, as lesbian or gay. Mm-hmm. And, and then they're like, oh, well, you're not this horrible thing that I thought you were. You're an actual person and humanized, so let's have that conversation. So, I mean, that said, there is still a lot uh, to be done as far as uh, institutionalized discrimination and discriminatory discriminatory policies. Mm-hmm. Um, right now in Washington state, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but um, we've had a bill introduced into the House and to the Senate at the state level to repeal the protections that are already in place for yeah. uh, transgender individuals. And, and those were uh, voted down. And now we have um, individuals uh, presenting to have it added to the ballot in November. So so it'll actually go for um, up for a public vote. Yeah. Well, so... Yeah, I did know that because I heard something on public radio about a transgender individual making a point of being available at a coffee shop. I think Uh it was Olympia or Tacoma, and they just wanted to show up and say, hey, come have conversation with me regardless of where you fall. Come have conversation and listen to my story and ask your questions and let me ask questions. And I think that that's such a powerful forwarding way of of educating people 
and mm-hmm. of like you said of humanizing what are some of the shifts in society that you think have made this conversation possible what are, what are some big shifts that you're seeing um, as a whole that are opening the door to this kind of conversation to normalizing right to just this is like you said it's just it's not good bad there shouldn't be judgment on it it's and I was listening also on public radio to a woman who is part of the LBGTQ community. She's also autistic. Mm. And um, she was a grad student and was just talking about – she was talking in regards to autism where the mindset is how do we fix this versus like how do we see this as simply another way of being. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that same conversation could happen here. Right. This is just another way of being in the world. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's it's not a it's not a fixed uh, fixed marker necessarily either. I mean, going back to that gender fluidity. Yeah. Um, it, it, we it, we've been talking for years about getting away from the gender binary and, and this whole, you know, gay, straight, uh, cisgender, transgender. Mm-hmm. And um we just we love our labels so much it's really been difficult to get rid of them um so yeah even even terms like you know cisgender and transgender still is compartmentalizing people so um yeah but getting back to your larger question so um one of the things that i think is really shifted in society i think it's a couple different things so so for sure the whole conversation around marriage equality Mm -hmm. um brought that to the kitchen table and and brought it you know opened up a lot of conversations around you know why are we treating citizens differently equal protection under the law means exactly that um and so i think that helped i think um a lot of the shift you know celebrities adding adding their status to this um Mm -hmm. You know, Ellen coming out as gay was huge and being an openly gay actress because, you know, I, you can't be what you can't see. And so if you're a gay kid growing up eight, nine, ten years old and everything you see is through this heteronormative lens, right, right. then you start to think you're the only one and nobody's yeah. talking about it. And that's really crushing for a child to have to carry around that they're the only one. There's some secret that they need to that they need to hide. Right. Um, and so just seeing it on television, seeing it being talked about in the news um, has been huge. And also, I mean, the, the biggest thing is um, really the access to information mm-hmm. that kids have. Um, so when I did when I did my research study, um, I had individuals who were in late 30s, early 40s, and one as young as 24. And this is all published, so I, this I can disclose. Mm-hmm. Um, and really the biggest difference between the generations was um, the 24 year old obviously had access to information on the internet, had access to um, gay straight alliances in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so had a much better time finding terms and vocabulary to, to fit their feelings and what they were experiencing. Yeah. Whereas the older generation didn't have that. You couldn't find it even in a book. You, you, you'd be ostracized if you asked your librarian for anything like that. Um, and so, yeah, I think just access to information, the access to these virtual communities that kids are creating now, um, it's they they know early that they're not alone, even if they're in a, a environment that's not supportive. Yeah, what it what are the biggest things that LGBTQ kids are struggling with? Do you think now, even with all this access to information and being able to come together in community, what do you think? What are some of the things that they're still struggling with? I think they're still, as a whole, I think they're still struggling with the the stigma associated. Yeah. Um, with, with being LGBTQ. Um, I think there's still a lot of stigma. I think there's still a lot of um, politics 
that are that are driving that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, when you think about it, if we go back to early messages when these kids are really young, um, theoretically, they, their first bully could be their family. Mm. Um, you know, before their their child is even aware that this is their sexual orientation, they could be hearing horrible things about gay people right. um, from their family, potentially from the religious institution and their schools and their peers and everybody else. And so that that continues to be a struggle. And even for kids who are um, who are in supportive environments, there's still a lot of that fear about coming out, about saying to your parents, I'm gay, mm -hmm. um, terrifying. Um, and oftentimes um, what we see with adolescents is they really miss out on that traditional adolescent arc. Mm -hmm. So if they're in the closet, they're not dating who they want to date. They're not going to prom with the person they want. They're not having their heart broken, you know, by the love of their life at the age of 16. Uh, they're not able to have those experiences. And honestly, I think those are absolutely critical yeah. uh, for the developmental process. Yeah. What do you think the biggest things are? I mean, you're working with families, right? So what do you think are some of the biggest things that their parents are struggling with in the process of them coming out? and being who they are? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think the parents struggle with a couple different things. I think they struggle with all this new terminology um, that they're not familiar with, and they, they, don't, they may not know where to go. Like, you don't want to type into Wikipedia, you know, what, what is pansexual? <laughs> what, is, what does this mean? Right. Um, and so finding resources. But I think oftentimes they struggle because um, sometimes parents know very early on that, that their kids are, are gay or transgender. Um, and some, it's a complete surprise. Right. And so growing up with this this child and raising this child, um, and then they come out and the parents often don't know how to react. And that that surprise and that lack of, of reaction can be interpreted by the child as a rejection. Right. And so that just builds up a lot of, you know, the struggles uh, that kind of go along with adolescence anyway, but then can become more complicated when you factor this in. And Oftentimes, sorry, just one last thing. No, you're good, yeah. Oftentimes, um, parents have a lot of questions about how do I talk to my kid about sexual health and making good sexual choices? You know, how do I, how do I talk yeah. to my lesbian daughter about being safe and dating and that kind of thing and answer her sexual questions when I don't even know, you know, or, or with a gay son? Right, and I imagine, too, that, you know, like so many things – you know, we might have an idea in our mind about where we stand on something. And then when we're confronted with it in our own child, you know, it, it's it, it, our body lets us know what we really think about it. Right. Exactly. In that moment. Yes. And, and some people that can be very surprising. Yeah. And then it's and then an internal struggle around what does mm -hmm. this mean about me that I'm I'm not as open minded as I thought or why am I having this response when, you know, this was where I stood around this and. So do you support parents through that whole process as well? I do. I do. Yeah. And it's a lot of, um, it's almost like a coaching process. So it's almost like, okay, let's, here's, here's where we are. Let's unpack the situation. Let's get some, um, some resources around terms that you can use and what does this all mean? And then really helping them come up with strategies. Mm -hmm. So when X comes up, let's talk through that. Let's, let's see how the different responses that you can give and that kind of thing. Um, I also work with, you know, uh, my favorite, my favorite expression is the cool aunt or uncle. Um, and maybe the parents not supportive. Right. 
Right. But uh, there's somebody in that child's life who really wants to be. And when it's not your child, that makes it a little bit more complicated. So people have questions about what's appropriate, what's not, how, how can I let this child know that they're not alone, that I've got their back, and that they'll get through this. Yeah. Well, thank goodness for those people too, right? I know, right? I just, I just want to give them a hug because yeah. they're... It's, it's amazing. <laughs> and really, I mean, research demonstrates it time and time again that sometimes it just takes one caring oh, yeah. person in that child's life to change their entire trajectory. For sure. For sure. I, I do work with, with parents and teachers, and one of the activities that we do is I invite them to think about somebody in their life growing up that let them know that they mattered deeply to them. Exactly. You know, and the whole premise is that's all it takes. I mean, that's all it takes is that one person that lets you know. That mm-hmm. you matter deeply to them. I mean, it doesn't make everything unicorns and rainbows, but, <laughs> you know, it brings hope when things feel overwhelming and hopeless, right? Yeah. yeah. So what about, the, what about the rest of the community? So there's the kids who are going through the process of identifying who they are and recognizing that it's not necessarily mainstream. Is there a better word for that? Um, no. Okay. okay. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I usually leave it up to the child. Okay. Um, I leave it up to the child to say, how do you, what, how does this feel for you? Um, I don't want to label their experience, but yeah. It, right. It, the general conversation out of, out of the mainstream is, is fine. Okay. Perfect. Um, and then there's the families surrounding those kids and mm-hmm. then there's the rest of the community. Yeah. So what are, so I'd love to talk about, about the rest of us, right? What are the most important things you know, if not the most important thing, what's something for all of us to remember about kids in our community who we may or may not have a personal connection to who are coming out? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really good question because it's, you never know when you're going to have that opportunity mm-hmm. to be there. And um, no, what I, what I stress to people is modeling behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, as parents, I think we're conditioned to that at teachers, people in authority, um, but it's really modeling. So if you hear somebody say something that's inappropriate, um, address it mm-hmm. and, and make sure that when you're talking about, you know, you eventually you'll grow up and, and marry somebody or are you dating anyone? Um, don't assume the gender of their partner. Right. And just and just kind of being very cognizant and aware of when you're looking at the world through that heteronormal lens. Right. Don't be an asshole. Basically, <laughs> I think that that's the rule that if it's all of us follow title. that rule, then, you know. Our communities will all be be better. Yeah, don't be that one. Yeah. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. 
If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, and bullying, so you mentioned bullying a little bit ago, but bullying comes to mind in this conversation and how kids who are perceived as different are often targets, right? At risk was the words that you used. So how do you coach kids around being who they are when they know that they're different from everyone else? Like, how do we help them, you know, and, and, and be in celebration of who they are while also keeping in mind the, the, you know, some realities that exist out in the world. And there's a level of safety that we want them Mm -hmm. to always keep in mind. Um, especially when things get so gross in middle and high school when, and and it's like, you know, that adolescent period where discomfort is so uncomfortable for kids that they tend to veer towards, well, I'm uncomfortable, but I can make you more uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And if they're paying attention to you, they're not paying attention exactly, to me. Exactly, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and actually that's a that's a really good point because middle school can be uh, even more difficult for for the queer kids than uh, uh, elementary school or high school. There, okay. There's something about that intro to adolescence age mm-hmm. that uh, they can be really vicious. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that, Every parent should talk to their kid about, especially their LGBTQ kids, um, it, even if they're not uh, out, if they're perceived to be uh, presenting as a different gender or perceived to be gay. Um, just find your support network. Mm-hmm. Just just find find your community and, and stay safe and be very aware of where you are. Uh, the kids that I've talked to um, as, as adults looking back, uh, they do realize that they developed early on a very keen sense of safety Mm. um, and when they were safe to be out and when they weren't. Mm. And honestly, that's one of the one of the questions that uh, parents should always be asking their children who come out is, are you out everywhere? Like, are you just out at home? Are you out in school? Um, Because a child may choose to kind of compartmentalize their their coming out process Mm. and want to be treated uh, differently in in public than they are at home yeah well and I you know even as I'm listening to you talk I'm thinking about there's a variety of ways that kids present themselves right whether Mm -hmm. it's you know the LGBTQ way or just kind of spastic human or you know (laughs) whatever that personality is that shows up 
you know, and I'm hearing like the safety conversation and being aware and finding your community and finding your people. I mean, really, we should be having conversations around this with all of our kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think um, parents are can be the best advocates. Yeah. Um, standing up for their kids. But again, it goes back to what what does the kid feel like that they need? Because, I mean, it's it's very easy to trigger that that protective uh, instinct to protect your child if they're being bullied in school. Right. Um, but understanding is that going to put them at greater risk and, and are they ready for that? And, and, and just making sure that it's an open conversation about how do we approach this together? Right. Not, not, okay. Let me save you. Exactly. Let me save you. Yes. Yes. Right. Not on my watch, not happening today. Right. Um, yeah. Just really making sure that we're very cognizant. It's all about them. Yeah. It's all about what they want and what they need. Well, and I think I know something that is helpful at our house is we often, well, with my, one of my kids, um, he will role play with me. He'll practice. Mm. Like if he has to have a card conversation or he has to deal with a tricky situation, like, well, let's practice. Let's practice that. We call them outs or that one liner that's going to get you out of that situation because they also want to be able to save face. You know, we can tell them till we're blue, like, oh, just walk away. You know, but it doesn't it play out that way. There's other factors that come mm-hmm. into mind to that young child or that, you know, early adolescent child. And so, you know, we we do a lot of let's practice, let's role play it, you know, and even things like hard conversations with the teacher, you know, well, what might she say? Well, she's mm-hmm. going to say this. Well, she might not, you know, so let's play a couple different scenarios and help you stay true to to what's important to you. And I always want to be having conversations with my kids and my friend. I'm sure you know. You must know Amy Lang. Oh, yes. 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 Love her. Love her. Um, and she likes to say short and frequent conversations, right? Whether it's around sex or drugs or staying safe in the world. And as their perspective grows around the diversity in the kids around them, whether it's, you know, cultural diversity or sexual orientation or gender or whatever, um, what would you say are some powerful talking points for parents? Like if I want to, and I do have conversations with my kids, but for anybody that's listening who's thinking like, I really want to make an intentional effort mm-hmm. to have some conversations with my kids, um, what are some good talking points that you would say for a place for par- parents to start? Uh, one thing that I found to be really effective is is kind of taking – a step back and saying, well, why, why would that matter? Um, so, uh, if a child says something about, oh, I think my teacher's gay, mm-hmm. like, well, why would that matter? And then really talking through what does that, what does that word mean to you? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times it, we all know kids are, are learning the power of language and learning right. about, you know, if I say this, I get this response. Um, and really kind of patiently having a conversation with them about what, what does this mean to you? Um, and yeah, I'm all about short, frequent, teachable moments. Right. Right. And what about um, when it's not like organically coming up on the end of the, like, I mean, you know, Seattle is so beautiful and diverse and there's, I mean, I was just there today on Capitol Hill and holy cow, there's all different kinds of people wandering around. It's just beautiful. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's not necessarily the experience that my kids are having because we live out in the country. And while there's definitely diversity, you got to look a little bit deeper <laughs> than <laughs> yeah. you do on Capitol Hill. Um, yeah. So how do we, you know, if it's not something that they're seeing in their world, how do we make sure to have the conversation? Like how, how do we broach the conversation? 
Well, one of the things that I found to be really effective is, um, so I use Caitlyn Jenner as, yeah. uh, as an example. So when that was all over the news, using that as an opportunity to say, well, let's, let's talk about gender. Let's talk about gender roles. Um, especially when kids do something like, um, start to really ingrain, uh, gender-based stereotypes, mm -hmm. like making an assumption of what somebody can or can't do because of their gender, because right. of their presentation and just taking them through why, how did they, how did they come to that assessment? Um, and finding out their perspective, like which lens are they looking through? Yeah. It's funny, my son said not too long ago, he's like, you know what, mom? It's not really fair that boys have to dress like boys, but girls can dress like boys or they can dress like girls. <laughs> it's like, well, perfect example, right? Because yeah, you totally. actually can. You yeah. I said, to. nobody, yeah. that's not a law. Yeah. You know, you can wear whatever you want. And he was like, well, I'm good, but it's just interesting. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, see, and I would not be able to leave that alone because I would have to follow up with, well, why do you think that it, it would be bad for you to dress as a girl, but mm -hmm. it's okay for them to dress as boys? Yeah. Um, because that, that can really be telling. For sure. For I mean, sure. And what a rich discussion, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Growing up, growing up with the experience that your gender is somebody else's insult mm -hmm. uh, can be really powerful conversation yeah. to have. Yeah. Uh, at the right age, right around 10 or 12. Right. And that's where he's at. So <laughs> how can we promote advocacy and being allies to these, to families that are loving their LGBTQ kids and family members? I mean, you know, how can we, what are some, what are some places that we can go that listeners it, can go to become more educated and allies? It, so I'm actually going to answer your question from a couple different angles. So awesome. It can be really tricky. Um, it, it's it's a hot topic, uh, like politics. Um, mm -hmm. It can be really tricky to go into a family member's home where they have a child who's out, and you want to stand up and defend that child. And it's just going to make you feel so good to to have this huge heated discussion at the dinner table and make your point. And at the end of the day, you're not going to change that parent's mind. Right. And in in reality, you might be setting that child up for an unsafe environment when you leave. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of picking your battles and, and finding out exactly uh, which direction you should go. And no one just take a step back and just kind of give them a little head nod saying they got your back. Yeah. Um, so back to your other question, uh, resources. So there are some really good resources out there. Um, PFLAG is a great organization, Parents and Friends of Lesbian and Gays. Um, they are also heavily involved with the transgender community and different expressions of gender. Okay. Uh, you can also check out my webpage. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I will have links to it um, in my show yes, notes. Yes. Uh, MyKidCameOut.com. Uh, I post articles out there on talking to your kids about sexual orientation and kind of managing yourself through the process of coming out. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's, like I said, it's really tailored towards um, parents, but also caring adults, coaches, mm -hmm. Uh, teachers, anybody who's in that unique perspective of having access to a child that is in desperate need of support, and they're really not sure where to start. Yeah. Well, and you know what came to mind, too, when you were talking about being in a family member's home where maybe the parents aren't super supportive? It's amazing how powerful our model of behavior can become, right? Just in the way that we interact um, and connect with a child speaks volumes versus, hey, listen, you should be supporting mm -hmm. your child. You should mm -hmm. be blah, 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 yep. right? Yep. 
just showing up and being in support and in a loving, you know, kind, healthy relationship with the child. So I love that you're including, you know, the cool aunt and uncle and the coaches and the teachers and, and that there's a lot of people, you know, there's a lot, as hurtful as it can feel, I'm sure, as a child not having the acceptance of your parents, it's heartening, you know, to know that there are other people within that community of, you know, with on the team, right? Because mm-hmm. every child exactly. needs a team who, exactly. who is going to be supportive and accepting. Yeah. And I think it's, it, it all comes back to that. And it's, um, especially for those adults who are in non-parenting roles, um, right. it's it, what you're modeling, <clears throat> excuse me, what you're saying is not just for the kids who are out, mm-hmm. but also for the kids who aren't out. Mm-hmm. So when you're teaching your, <clears throat> you know, eight to 10 year old soccer team, and you've got a bunch of kids running around and one of them is, is openly gay. Um, there might be others. Mm-hmm. And so how you interact with that child, other other ones are watching you. For sure. And and that's going to really resonate For sure. later in life. Yeah. So safe and visible ally. Oh, yeah. I like that. My battle cry. Safe and visible allies. Unite. <laughs> um, so finally, I have one last question. What does joyful courage mean to you? Do you know that's the name of my business? Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> yes, we've only just that. become acquainted. So. Yes. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I love that because for me, it's not just courage about, you know, standing up in, 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 in bravery and yeah. in battle and that kind of thing, but also that, that joyful embrace of this is messy and this is going to be challenging and it's okay. Like, especially, you know, working with kids because they don't come with an instruction book and, you know, they will, I love to call it a plot twist. They'll throw you a plot twist when you're not expecting it. Oh, yes, they um, will. Yeah, and so to me, that's that's what it means. It's just like joyfully embracing the chaos and, and, and heading into it. Awesome. Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show and being part of the podcast. Thank you so much, Casey. Will you do me a favor and send over um, a couple of your favorite blog posts? Absolutely. And I will be sure to link them in the show notes as well as your website and the PayFlag site. Perfect. And any other resources that come to mind after we hang up that you think would be helpful for parents for all of us um please send them my way perfect i will can i pitch my uh, can i pitch my workshop coming up pitch it <laughs> <laughs> so i have a workshop coming up on march 24th 7 8 30 p.m over in the east side in uh redmond uh-huh. and it is open up to parents and other caring adults come in ask your questions 90 minutes and we will uh we will talk through whatever it is that's on your mind great what's the name of the workshop uh, interactive workshop. So your kid came out. Now what? Okay. And I will do, I'm sure that you have like an event page or a, some kind of link that you can send to me and I'll make sure again. Well, what day is it today? Well, I guess you just decided for me that this show will come out next week. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure at all. <laughs> well, send me a link with more information to that. Workshop. I absolutely will. Thank you so much. Casey. Great. Yes. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Oh, what a great conversation. I hope that you found value in that convo. I'm so grateful that there are people like Jenna Ryan out in the world doing their work and supporting all different kinds of families. So, so, so great. So my friends, show is over. Before you go, um, like I mentioned on our last podcast, I have a special, special offer for my podcast listeners. 
and that is the two-week Common Connected Parenting Program through Maslow can be yours for free. You just got to send me an email. So email me at Casey at JoyfulCourage.com. I have a coupon code for a limited time, a coupon code that will get you access to the program and to coaching with me for free. How awesome. And you know, also what I like to say at the end of the show is if you have not already joined the Live and Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group, come on over. Ask to join. I will accept you. And you can be a part of the conversations that are happening over there and the support. I'm really working on growing the group because with more parents, more like-minded parents is more amazing wisdom that comes to the surface in um, celebration of each other and also supporting the challenges that show up on this crazy-ass parenting journey. So join us over there. And as always, I love feedback. You can, if you're listening through the website, Uh, You can leave a comment on the podcast episode page, or you can go to iTunes and tell me how much you love the show. (laughs) That's what I want to hear, people, how much you love the show. All right, so have a beautiful day. It is currently sunny in Western Washington. Hoping it's sunny where you are, and I will be back with another podcast soon. Have a beautiful day, my friends. Bye. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wannabe Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.